welcome to the For Where You Are podcast brought to you by Chapel Street Church. My name is Joe Scavato, and on today's episode, we are going beyond the sermon with a conversation about how the truth of God's Word can impact the everyday life of the everyday Jesus follower. Today, I'm joined by Pastor Jeff Frazier and Pastor Andrew Griffiths. Hello. Guys, this is it. First episode. Episode one. This is either the start of something great start of something terrible. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good it's a start good, of something yeah, great. Yeah. I uh, appreciate you guys being here with me today. I, I thought as we started, it might make sense to just kind of talk about uh, what we're doing here, what we're hoping people take from this. And so from your perspective, just as pastors here at Chapel Street, um, what are you hoping people take just from the conversations that we're going to be having each week? Thanks, Joe. I, it's, it's, um, I think the title for where you are is a, is a slogan we've been using at the church for a long time. And that's really at the heart of the podcast in my mind, making the um, helping this truth of God's word live in our hearts and minds and in our lives from Sunday night through Saturday. Because I think uh, those of us who preach, we prepare hard and then we preach the sermon and we're on to the next one. And my guess is the average Christ follower. It's the same thing. You show up to church, you, you hear the word preached, you're in, inspired or moved, and then you move on with life and you forget. And so the, I think what's behind the idea of this podcast is that we would not forget mm. and we'd live out these truths more effectively. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, I think, when you say, Andrew, a little bit of a, a peek behind the curtain of how we do sermon prep as a team at, at Chapel Street. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's so much that goes on that we don't always get to share with the rest of the church family and uh, those little conversations that we have when we prepare. So I, I think part of this as well is, yeah, is getting a look at that and maybe even taking some extra time outside of the time we have on Sunday mornings to just kind of sit in whatever text we've been reading, uh, because there is so much there. God's word is rich. It's alive. Yeah. Uh, and so it's fun. I think it's going to be fun to to take some extra time to just kind of see what else is there and see how it applies to our life uh, and what God's got for us. Yeah. I know for me, the, the idea kind of came out of, uh, you know, how many times have I heard a message that, you know, oh man, God spoke to me. I felt the Holy Spirit. I, I want to change something or, or do something based on what I heard on Sunday. And then by the time Monday comes around, it's like the last thing on my mind. Right. Um, and so this is hopefully going to help with that. And so if mm-hmm. you feel that way as well, uh, this is the podcast for you. So we're going to jump right into it. Um, Andrew, you and I were both up preaching this weekend. Um, Jeff, after preaching a thousand times for Easter, you were taking a well-deserved break. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but uh, Andrew, I, I wonder if we get started, um, if you could just give us maybe an elevator pitch of what you were hoping the church was going to take from Such your message. Such a funny phrase for a sermon. Give oh, us the yeah. elevator pitch of your sermon. Yeah. Well, 30 minutes down to 30 seconds. Yeah, that's how we That's how we make sure that the sermon's ready. We get in an elevator with a random staff member and just <laughs> try and preach to them right. in about five minutes. Um, yeah, this this was a great jump back into Fast Peter. We took that little break as a church, but uh, this week was really kind of getting more practical with this big idea of the living hope we have and how it should change our lives. And so Peter started uh, explaining in his letter now to the churches what it looked like to actually live out the living hope that we have. And uh, the the main way he did it in this passage, I think, was by talking to us about our freedom as Christians uh, and how we use that to proclaim and uh, the message of who Jesus is and what he's done uh, and make a statement to the world about the God that we love. And so uh, he kind of gave us three th- things in this passage uh, that... In my sermon, I titled those be a subject. He talked to us about using our freedom to honor uh, and respect our leaders and authorities. He talked about uh, using our freedom to be gracious. Uh, he talked about servants and masters. We talked a little bit about employment and jobs and, and how we can use our lives there and our freedom there to, uh, to honor and love others. Uh, and then he talked about being encouraged. He pointed us towards the one who 
ultimately did this perfectly. And Jesus himself, who laid down all of his freedom uh, to proclaim a message about his father and about the kingdom. So, yeah. Well, that was a good elevator pitch. It's my floor. I've got to get off now. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that. (laughs) Yes, no. I I listened to both of your sermons as well as Pastor Brian who preached uh, at South Street and just thought um, you did an excellent job with that. And, and, And as you said, Andrew, everything is contextual. So sometimes we lift passages out of the Bible and we lift a verse out and we try to understand well, how does this mean to me? And when you're reading a letter, Peter's writing a letter and, and, and these, this part of the letter connects to what he said previously. And I thought yeah. you both did an excellent job saying this section on surrender and submission is part of what it means to live lives of holiness and live lives of proclaim Christ. And if you, if we don't make that connection, it feels like, like sometimes like a non sequitur, what's he talking about? Or mm. we can easily misunderstand. I really appreciated the way that you did that. One of the things we talk about when we're preparing messages is trying to find what we call the emotional center, kind of the heart of the passage. And, and Andrew, you kind of convinced me. <clears throat> you convinced me that um, the heart of this passage is verse 16, which says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for yeah. evil, but living as servants of God. And just this idea of, of surrender. What does it mean to surrender your life, every part of your life um, mm-hmm. to God? And so as we get into this, I, I'm just curious what your thoughts are of, you know, why is it important to do this? Why is it important to surrender other than the fact that the Bible says so, which of course that matters, but, but <laughs> right. what are the benefits? What's the value in surrendering your life to God? Yeah. Andrew, you said this really well. You said that, um, well, you started out with the talking about why we love rebels in our culture. And I, and I would take issue that Han Solo was the greatest rebel of all time, but we Mistaken. can save Mistaken. that for another podcast. Uh, but we do like those who seem to be rebellious against authority or the, or the status quo. Yeah. But you made a, you made a very interesting turn of phrase. You said that in a way, what Peter's calling us to do here is to rebel against our cultural understanding of freedom. Yes. Cause the, cause the American cultural climate understanding of freedom is do what I want, where I want, how I want with who I want with no restrictions. That's not the Bible's understanding of freedom. So in a sense, we're rebelling against that. And I thought you handled that really well, that we use our freedom. That's an interesting phrase, not for our own benefit. We use our freedom to, to surrender and to benefit others. I thought yeah. you both treated that really well. Yeah, I think that's what's most interesting about passages like this is, in my sermon, I talked about how you can read a passage like this that's talking about things like sub, uh, subjecting yourself to authority uh, and instantly kind of switch off. You say, oh, I don't want to do that. Because again, that's our kind of cultural experience is uh, we have a lot of different ideas about our authorities and we we enjoy our freedoms. We live in a, a country where we have a lot of freedom. But I think what's so countercultural about what Peter challenges to is he's saying that our freedom is making a statement about one, what we believe, uh, but two, how we relate to other people. And so uh, I think that that center in this about our freedom is huge because it's, if we are going to live out what he says in the first half of chapter two of proclaiming the excellencies of him who called us and has loved us. And then we got to think about how we use our freedom. It's the freedom hasn't been given to us for us. It's been given to us for others uh, and ultimately for, for Christ himself. Yeah. I don't, it was interesting. It's interesting to think about because clearly Peter is saying that the way that you live a surrendered life is itself a witness to the world. Yeah. We tend to think of our witness and our testimony as things that we say uh, sometimes defending the faith or defending our rights, and there's a place for that. But Peter's making an argument that a quiet, surrendered, godly life is a stronger witness sometimes than all the things that we're shouting, particularly on social media. But I, I, mean, I would ask those of you who preached, you two guys, you're the experts. <laughs> How does submitting and surrendering proclaim Christ? I think one thing that I, that I really... Um 
honed in on, or at least tried to when I was speaking, and, and you just touched on it. But um, just the the countercultural, but also the transformational way that surrender. Yeah. Um, affects others, not just myself. Mm, um, you know, we think of how Christianity changed the world. It wasn't right. through political means. It wasn't through laws. It wasn't through religious freedom. It was in a time of persecution, and yet they understood the power of loving their neighbors, yeah. and and that changed everything. It's and it, subversive. It's, it's impacted. Yeah all of history and, and we're still experiencing the impacts of that. And so just trying to get people to see that and, and see that um, if you, if you want transformation for yourself and for your neighbors, it happens not through standing yeah. up for yourself, but, yeah. but submitting yeah, and surrendering. I think as well, like our ultimate call as Peter's already said is to portray who Jesus is to the world. And, and, and as Peter mentions in the back half of chapter two, this is who Jesus was. The mm-hmm. one who, had all authority uh, and all glory, and he surrendered his freedoms. Uh, we, in my seminar, we took a lot of a look at Philippians two, which is one of the best chapters in all of the scriptures, and it it gives us this picture of Jesus, who, in being very nature God, right. didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped or clung to, and he he surrendered his freedom. Yes. So, if I want the world to see him and get a good picture of right. who he is, right. I, I need to surrender my freedoms. Right. I think, and it's it's so tempting for us. We always, at least I do, and I think that the, te- the natural human inclination is to add a, yeah, but what about? Yeah, yeah. What about when there's uh, corrupt authority? What about when there's uh, bad leadership? What about when the institution has gone wrong? Well, you just gave the example of Christ. I mean, nobody was more unjustly mistreated than yes. Jesus, and yep. yet he still surrendered. Now, having said that, I think we have to make there is a caveat. We surrender and submit and obey the earthly institutions up until the point at which they would demand of us disobeying God. Right. So Jesus never disobeyed the Father, but he was submitted to corrupt, wicked, sinful, uh, earthly institutions. Yeah. And that's a hard thing for like particularly American Christians to swallow. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to to your point to cover all of the whatabouts that people yeah, have. Right. I, I think one of the one They're of the ones endless. that I I really um, tried to make sure I touched on was um, this idea of servants and masters, and and right. how that idea had been corrupted and has been in even in our own country's history, and, and how that's not the message that we should take, and yes. how it's not a call to be abused. Um, it's it's different than that, and and people that have used that, you mm-hmm. know, that that that's is right. not the message of the gospel. That's right. Um, so for someone listening now and, and they're saying, okay, I, I get that I should surrender, but, but how can I tell if I'm not, what, what are some signs mm. that I have an area of my life that I have mm. not given over to God? What, what would you tell them if they sat down in your office and, and told you that? That's a great question. How would you answer that, Andrew? <laughs> uh, I would, it's a great question. Um, as far as things in your life that I think that portray you're not in surrender. Um, I think First Peter 2 helps us out a lot in this because the, the reason he's saying the things he's saying is so the churches can have yeah. a picture of exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So if um, if you are the kind of person that is, that's mocking authority a lot and, um, and or slandering your leaders or um, you, you don't spend a lot of time being gracious to those that might even be unjust to you, then I think those are all signals that maybe your heart mm-hmm. is not in the place it needs to be. Uh, because it, one of my favorite parts of this as well is verse 17 says, honor everyone, yeah. right? Is ascribe value to everyone, give grace to everyone. And so if, if there's anyone in your life that you are withholding grace and honor from, then yeah. y- you haven't quite caught what Peter said. That's mm. right. It's not just a grit your teeth and fine, fine, I'll submit. Uh, it's, it's honor, be yeah. gracious, pray for uh, and, and verse 13 lays it out 
for the Lord's sake. Yeah. He's not saying honor and surrender and submit to authority because you, you always agree or you always align or because you think that they're necessarily honoring God, but you're doing it for the sake of the Lord. Um, so I mean, maybe, maybe the answer to your question, Joe, is who, who is it hard for you to pray for? Hmm. Yeah. Who, or what area of your life is it like, is it your boss? Is it a, some political party or leader? Is it some, uh, some area where you, God is, is calling you to love that person, even to submit to them in some way. And it's really hard for you to pray for them. And I don't mean the kind of prayer like Lord smite them. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean the prayer for their good and their blessing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always think of, um, kind of similar to that. If, if there's someone that I want to experience God's justice more than his grace, <laughs> mm, uh, if yeah. it's like, you know, God, show them how wrong they are, show them their areas right. of sin rather than God, give them grace as I need grace. Right. Interesting. Um, isn't it? We never pray for that for ourselves. Yeah. I was just we thinking, if, if someone's praying that for me, can you yeah. please stop? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else needs justice. I need the grace. Though. Right. That's right. Well, what do you see as some things just particular to our context here at Chapel Street, um, areas of life that maybe you see as, um, common areas of struggle to surrender to God, whether it's finances, family, health, whatever it may be. Um, what, what are some maybe top areas that come up to you, come up for you? Yeah. I was thinking about this question a lot when I was thinking through the sermon, because, uh, I think my initial impulse as a, as a reader is I read through Peter's words and I think, well, I live in such a different world than him. You know, I'm not, right. I'm not going through the same things he's got. So maybe he's just talking to them, but that's, that's not how God's word works. So there's a lot that it has to say to us. And I actually think it's a lot more relevant than we give it credit for because uh, as different as Peter's world was, we're still going through a lot of the same things. I think especially now in our country, it's still a very politically divided place. And it's, um, you don't have to talk to many people to realize that with all the different views out there, there's some people that distrust government, that are afraid of government, that are afraid of their neighbors that have different mm -hmm. political views than them. And so... I think what Peter's got to say to us is, is challenging us. Hey, think about your neighbors. Think about your leaders. How can you honor them? How can we right now as Christians, as the church, be painting a picture of who Jesus is by how we react to people like Joe Biden or even our local leaders? What is that saying about what we believe? Hmm. That's yeah. good. I think also just the, wherever God's placed you. I've got, and my, I think of my own children. I've got two kids in the workforce now and one in law school, and they talk about their professors and their their bosses and their coworkers. And, and I, and um, you know, I try in gentle ways to encourage them the way that you, and I think they do this, you know, they're doing it well, but the way that you uh, show up and work uh, yeah. with integrity, uh, regardless of how you're treated is itself a witness to, uh, to Christ. People see that. Um, and, um, and so it, so it doesn't have, it's really, on, I think it's in a very basic everyday level, the place where God, wherever God's placed you, those relationships. Um, and, and I think most of us know, it's yeah. not a mystery yeah. where we're yeah. not surrendered. Most of us, that, that's not the issue. The issue is not where am I not surrendered? I'm confused. We know. It's how do you, how do, you do that? Lay yeah. that down. And I thought one of the things you both said that if, and you said it in different ways, if, if we're not convinced that Christ is Lord and that he's in control, then it's hard to surrender because it feels like we need to rest control. We need to have some control in our lives. But yeah. if, if we really, truly, at the deepest level, believe he's in control, then I think it makes it possible to say, okay, I don't have to control this. I can submit because I know who's king. Yeah, I think it, 
you're so right about that. And, and that's something that, um, as I was preparing this message, it seemed so overwhelming and so hard to do what I was saying, this text was saying, um, until you get to Christ and until right, we remember that right. this isn't because, you know, we have to earn anything or because we're so good at, at being Christians, but it's because of the example that's been set for us. Yeah. Andrew, you had a phrase I wrote down. You said, nothing that Christ asked of you has he not already done for you. That was so yeah. good. Hmm. Yeah, he's at, he's calling us to do something which he has already done at a profoundly more deep, uh, deeper level. Um, so nothing he's asking of us has he not already done for us. I really love that. And the the level of his surrender is so much more dramatic than any right. level of surrender yeah, right. I will ever have to give. Right. right. Is like what, what I love about passages like this in Philippians two is it, just, it yeah, Tim Keller uses this phrase it, says it melts your heart mm-hmm. like it it melts you down and and any reason you might have any kind of um, barrier that you might have to surrender, just kind of, it just gets taken down and gets stripped away when you see the the dramatic level of Christ's surrender for you. That's right. But I have to surrender to government. <laughs> <laughs> right, but you think about that. He's the only one in history who, who who was justified in demanding his rights, who would have been justified, yeah. who had all authority in heaven on earth. It's been given to him, and yet he laid it down. We don't have, we are not justified in demanding our rights, and yet... We still do that. Yeah. And the government that Peter and Jesus lived under was so much more corrupt and broken right. than our own. It, like I was very, very convicted by this passage in saying like any reason I could possibly give Jesus in our day for not honoring right. my leaders, he's just going to laugh at because he's saying, well, the, our emperor was killing people and uh, right. people were being arrested all over the place. So it's, uh, it's difficult for a Christian like me to be able to come to God and say, look, I've got some reasons why I don't think I should be doing this because Jesus has got more reasons why he shouldn't. And he did. Yeah, that's right. So different kind of perspective. So let's move into that next step. Then what are some things that I can do on a Monday, on a Tuesday, whenever I'm listening to this, I'm wanting to surrender more of my life to God. I'm wanting to grow in that way uh, to follow the example that he has set for me. What are some practices that I can adopt or, or just try even today as I'm living my everyday life? That's a great question. I, th- I think surrender is not something you do once upon a time. It's, it's a moment-by-moment daily walk. Yeah. And so I think it begins with surrender to Christ. He, he, Amen. You can't surrender to earthly authorities in your life if you're not full, first surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. And so I think beginning each day with a prayer of surrender. Yeah. You know, this day's yours. I'm yours. Like just, just simple statements to remind myself I, be- I don't belong to myself. I don't call the shots. My freedom is not my own. Um, and so I think starting there, that, then, I, then that gives me a, like a, a baseline – from which to start thinking about the other relationships I have in the world. But you can't surrender to earthly authorities if you're not first surrendered to Christ. So I, I would just encourage everyone listening, start your day that way. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, you mentioned it earlier, Jeff, but we all have those people in our life that it's it's difficult to honor. You know, if we ask the question, who in your life do you not want to pray for? Who in your life do you not want to serve or encourage mm-hmm. or give mm-hmm. time to? There's a face that pops in. And so I think some of the yeah. first steps we can take is, let that face pop in your mind and then start asking God to give you a heart for them, to want to honor them and love them. And whenever I hear sermons like this, and I'm, I'm so convicted and challenged, I always want to make some dramatic sweeping movement and do something huge straight away. But I think often it's the small little steps of faithfulness yeah, right. that we take to just, just start praying for them. Yeah. Just, you know, maybe set some time to go get some lunch with them. I, I thought a lot when I was, preaching this about John Kelly's words about inviting people to your dinner table. Yeah, right. That's right. Like I, um, 
I can take those steps this week. I can think about who, who do I need to go serve and just give some time to maybe 30 minutes, have some coffee, encourage them, ask them about their life, spend some time honoring them. I thought a lot, um, thinking about this question with the example of Christ and, and just the idea of there are certain people that you spend time around and you kind of just adopt their mannerisms or their yeah. personality or, yeah. you know, whatever it may be. I if, start talking with a British accent by <laughs> hanging around Andrew too long. Yeah, you sound Quoting so much classier than you do. It's weird. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> but, you know, if you're around someone negative all the time, you become negative. That's if right. you're around someone optimistic, the same thing happens to you. And just the, the, ideal, the idea of Christ being the example mm. of the more time you spend with Christ, the more Amen. likely you are That's to become more yeah. like him. Um, and it, I think it's just simple. I think a lot of times we make it complicated, but to your point, right. it's, it's just a moment by moment thing of, am I moving closer to Christ or am I not? Yeah. Um, and the more that you do, the easier I think that it will be to yeah. surrender. Yes. Yeah. What are some words that we can be praying for just in our own faith as we talk about praying for God to, to help us in this way? Yeah. Well, the, the, one of the prayer prompts that came into my heart listening to both of you preach was the idea of freedom. Mm. That the, the Bible's idea of freedom is so countercultural, it's so subversive and different and unique, that just praying, that praising God for the true freedom I have in Christ and then asking him by his spirit to help me use that freedom to bless others, not myself. Yes. That's, a, that's a simple way to start with, I think, this idea of surrender. You set me free, Jesus, and you've given me this freedom not to live how I want, but to live out my freedom that would bless other people. And, and right. in that, they would see you. They would see who he is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I hate that whenever I preach, it's always like God's talking to me more than he's talking to <laughs> the people. It's a good thing though. I, it is a good thing, yeah. but it's, it's very uncomfortable. You get in there and you the start. Day, the day we're preaching and we think it no longer applies to us is the day we should stop preaching. Yeah, yeah man. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And God's very kind for doing that. But I, this week I've been thinking the same question, Jeff, of where in my heart am I just, am I resisting God's mm. call to me to love others, to love my neighbors, to lay down my freedoms. Cause I, I'll be honest. I like my freedoms in a lot of places. You know, I like, I like, I like getting to live the life that I want to spending my time the way that I want to using my resources, the way that I want to. And I felt this call again this week to, to just pray to the Lord and say, everything I have belongs to you. What do you want me to do with it? Lord, how do you want me to use my finances and, and the, the generosity that you've shown me, how can I then go be generous to other people and, and just letting God speak in that? Cause that's going to take some time. I think it's not, you know, it's not going to be a magic answer that pops in straight away. We've got to be consistent with that prayer and say, Lord, keep, keep helping me see things the way that you do and using my freedom for your kingdom instead of my own. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I've been um, leading a, a group through the rooted program here at the church. Yeah. And uh, one of the weeks in rooted is all about prayer. That's right. And they kind of break down prayer with the acronym of the word pray. So mm. P is praise, R is repent, A is ask, and then Y is yield. Mm. And every group that I've led through Rooted, yeah. PRA is great. I love it. Yes, right. <laughs> love, love to praise. I love, love to ask for things. Yeah, yeah. it's super fun. And, and every yeah. time I always ask, what's the hardest part? And overwhelmingly, the answer is yield. Right. Um, and to to yield to God, to to yeah. pray the way that Jesus taught us to pray, to your kingdom come, your will be done, yeah. not mine. Um, and that yeah. in itself is an act of surrender, just to it even is. pray that, even if you're not sure how much you mean it, um, to just orient your prayers in that direction. Now, I think Joe, you said everything. that at the outset of your sermon, you said that surrender is not, it doesn't come naturally to us. Right. And yeah. you point that out, that's really true, yielding our hearts to Christ. And, and even just what, what you just said is really important. If we wait until we feel like it to pray it, 
we'll never pray it. Right. <laughs> you pray your way into a right. belief. You pray your way into an action. Um, so you start pr- speaking to God, praying these truths, uh, asking him to help you yield, even when you don't feel like yielding. Yeah. And, and eventually he helps you get there. But if you wait around until you feel fully surrendered, it's never going to happen. Right. Have you, have you guys ever seen the movie Evan Almighty? I have. Mm-hmm. There's a great scene in that. I mean, it's it's kind of a goofy movie. It's not one of my favorites, but there's a really great scene in that where the whole idea is this, uh, there's the a husband and wife and, and kids and a family, and she has been wanting their family to get more time together. So she's been praying to God, give us more time together as a family. Uh, and the whole movie, all kinds of other goofy, crazy things happen. But she ends up in a, a diner and unbeknownst to her, she's having a conversation with God. And God kind of replies to her and says, did you think that God was going to magically drop into your heart these feelings of closeness? Or yeah. do you think he was going to give you opportunities right. to try and do that? And so I think it's the same. Like when we start praying about that this this week, we should expect that not that we just magically transform overnight. We go to bed and wake up the next day and we're surrendered. But that this week there's going to be opportunities right. that we can seize because that's that's how God works. Is yeah. he doesn't he doesn't magic things. He gives us opportunities to grow and to be like Christ. That's good. Any final thoughts on this idea of surrender? Well, we're going to jump in next week to uh, applying this idea of surrender to a whole other area of our life, uh, surrender in marriage, yeah. uh, where it's also is countercultural when Peter talks about this. So tune in next week to the sermon on the podcast as we talk about that one. Um, but I, again, I think that just the simple steps you've, you've, all, you've all encouraged in your sermon and here in, in our discussion is begin each day with a prayer of surrender. Ask God to give you opportunities to practice surrender. Mm. And then be patient with yourself. We're stubborn people. We have stubborn hearts, and God is patient with us, and it's not going to happen once and for all. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Good. <laughs> good. <laughs> all right. Well, um, as we were preparing for this podcast, one of the things that we wanted to do, uh, we wanted to help people in their faith. We wanted to give steps to grow and, and spiritual direction and all that, but we also wanted to give a little bit of insight into what it's like to work here at Chapel Street. Um, <laughs> this is dangerous. This is a little dangerous. <laughs> this might be everyone's favorite segment. It might be everyone's least favorite segment. We're going to find out. But this is a segment we call Joe Wants to Know. <laughs> So here's the idea. Um, typically at, at a staff meeting, we, we get a lot of things accomplished. We talk about a lot of deep spiritual theological issues. And then someone, usually someone who is British and named Andrew, will it's get us on just a random, he'll get us on a, a tangent that is just hysterical. And we thought that people might want a little bit of we insight do get into. Sidetracked. Um, and so Andrew has just a, a wild belief of his that he's going to bring. That's not and we're going to decide if we agree with you and. Or if not, and well, yeah. anyways. So Joe wants you, to know. Joe wants to know, Andrew, what is the strongest animal that you could beat in a fight? <laughs> the strongest tell us, animal. Tell us where this came from, first of all. Yeah. yeah. First of all, it is, it is true that I do cause a lot of staff meetings to go in the wrong direction. <laughs> You're not the only one. But there are sometimes when some very serious and important things come up that I, I just feel the need to clarify. On one occasion in a preaching team meeting, somehow... I have, I genuinely, I cannot remember how this started, but we go into this conversation about whether I, Andrew, could defeat a coyote one-on-one. By the way, this was like seven in the morning. I was yes. half asleep and yeah. you just come in with this take yeah. ready yeah. to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I wish I could remember how it started, but it is very serious and important because the truth yeah, is, through this. one-on-one with a coyote, I totally could take him down. Wait, I have uh, full confidence. <laughs> if it was the pack... Maybe the story would be different, but one coyote that's wandered into my backyard by mistake, that thing's going down. It's a wild animal. Yeah, it's but fast. I am a human being. Right. I'm at the it top would, of it the food chain. It would bring circles around you. No, 
I may be the least athletic okay, okay. of all of the staff uh, members of Chelsea Street. I will go this far. If your family was threatened and it came down to it, I think you would come out on top. Come on. But I do not think you would come out unscathed. <laughs> I do not think it's, I don't, I don't, it's not like you'd win every time. In, in 10 rounds, you might win seven or eight of the rounds. But yeah. I think the Coyote has a chance. If it's best of seven, listen, we're going seven games. Listen. They're fast. What if he got you by the jugular? It wouldn't have time to get me by the jugular. I would kill that thing so fast. How you don't have a weapon or anything? Have you seen you? it? A, a coyote is a glorified dog. <laughs> it wanders around the streets right. at night. It's like a, a homeless co- dog is what a coyote is. <laughs> it, it is. It's not been out there. And, and come on, in it's not in the suburbs of Chicago, this not is a... not like the jungles of Africa. That thing, the, the the stuff that that thing chases is like little rabbits. It's never tried to take on me. I'm a full-grown okay. man. I can take can, the coyote. You can, you can uh, email us and let us know yeah. what you all think. Would Andrew win in a fight to the death between him and a coyote? The jury is out. Joe we, wants we to know. We all know the truth. Let us they, know. They know. Maybe they we know. should actually stage this. I think we could. Out. I think we could set it up. We can make I'll it be, I'll be happy to oblige. A fundraiser? <laughs> oh, my goodness. We're fully funded. That's we how should, we're funding North Carolina. We Aurora. should stop this, this conversation before <laughs> yeah, it gets any weirder. Yeah, true. Oh, man. Jeff, what's the strongest animal you think you could take? Is it stronger or weaker than a coyote? I could probably take Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> and I am an animal. That's right. I'm, I'm positive it would be weaker than a coyote for me. I think you, sh- you I should measure. what me- is weaker than a coyote. We should measure yeah. people's strength and athletic ability and how many coyotes they could take down. <laughs> Are you a one coyote man, two coyote man, maybe even three? I don't know. All right. We need to end our podcast yeah, now. <laughs> great, great. This is great. Listen, if you have any thoughts Surrender on... Surrender to the Lord and human institutions, but never to a coyote. Never yeah, to man. a coyote. Right. If you think you have a, a Joe wants to know question, please let us know. Yes. If you have a, an idea of whether Andrew could defeat a coyote or not, best right. of seven series, right. neutral court, no home court advantage. What? No weapons. Send us an email. Bad hands. Good, we'll good episode, guys. Good first episode. <laughs> <laughs> Until it went off the rails. <laughs> it's a good portrayal of the staff meetings because it gets that's just right. as weird as that. Right. Welcome yeah. to Chapel Street, everybody. And thanks for listening to the For where you are podcast make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and we'll talk to you soon